0: beer cheese and murder is a true crime podcast about wisconsin from wisconsin due to the nature of true crime this podcast contains explicit and graphic content which may not be suitable for all listeners listener discretion is advised Welcome to Beer, Cheese, and Murder. I'm Erica, and joining me are.
1: Funny. Dina B. And Jill. It's Harry.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I had a lot of oomph in my introduction
1: today. <laughs> no, apology <laughs>
0: necessary.
1: I was going to say you must have a beer in you, too.
0: <laughs> a little bit more than um, just a standard beer.
2: <laughs> a lot more than a standard beer. <laughs> had to start a little over an hour ago
0: (laughs) why don't you tell us about it
1: (laughs) yeah on that note
2: (laughs) well so uh I went to Ope Brewing which I love um they're at 67th I'm sorry that's
0: a relatively new one right
2: yes uh it opened at some point last actually it might have been earlier this year 2022 Um, OPE Ope as an OPE, OPE exclamation point. Okay. Um, love this place. Literally. I love OPE. It's a super, super fun place to go. They've got phenomenal Wisconsin names for all of their beers. They have sours, um, seltzers, and they have, um, They're dog friendly. So there's always lots of cute little dogs there with their people. Um, they've got taco truck, a food truck outside, which apparently has really, really great food at reasonable price. We went there recently to see the whiskey bells, uh, play live music and the place was packed. Um, so they've got, uh, Pub quiz days, they've got darts leagues, they've got um, all sorts of live music coming up so check them out it's in West Dallas right across from pick and save on National Avenue it's at like 67th and National there's parking lot next to it and behind it during summer it's great because they have the garage doors all around and they open up all the garage doors and they've got bags games and blah 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 all that stuff so i tried i did um a flight when i got there and tried several and then wanted to decide which one i wanted to drink a few more of since we were going to be there a while and i settled on a beer i really liked and then took a crawler to go knowing that i would use it for today so the name of the beer is true story bro <laughs> hey, br- Two story, bro. Two-story <laughs> bro. And it is a Belgian strong golden ale. It is 7.2% ABV. Um, I ended up getting the 32-ounce Crowler to go. And oh, they call it a Crowler, damn. not a Growler, because it's a can, not a glass jar. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I have to drink it all at once, which is why I had to start a little just, early.
0: 30, yeah. That's, that's, a hefty, that's a hefty, that's a hefty beer there, <Dina. laughs> percent,
2: 32 ounces. Um, the thing that surprised me, so it said Belgian strong golden ale, and I almost didn't get it in my flight because I was afraid it was going to be like a really heavy, like strong beer. And it's not, it's, really good it's not a heavy beer at all it's not like an overpowering flavor it's just a very smooth had a couple of them that night
0: and with it being Um, 7.2 percent you would almost expect that it would be a little stronger that it would
2: taste heavier but it does not at all it's like heavier than a miller light but not even as heavy as a spotted cow okay so you know it's very very good Um, they've got some really cute names of the beers and the seltzers and the, my favorite one at Ope, the, all their sours are Ope, sorry, O-P-E and then S-O-U-R-R-Y for like (laughs) sorry. and being a person who is always like, Oh, sorry. When I bump into somebody, I, it makes me giggle every time. Um, I did do a, a, the blueberry sour when I was there and it was very good but I should actually I actually have to send Erica the video because my friend Kim was with me and videoed me because she couldn't stop laughing every time I took a drink because it was so sour I would oh. like pucker and my would squeeze in and I would like get all like the really sour and she thought it was the funniest so she took a video i'm like i'll send it to erica and maybe she can post it on instagram if she wishes Your because face. they were dying everyone was that like dying so every time funny. i took a drink of this it was so sour but it was very good
1: <laughs> so i can't um, wait to
2: see the pics so i uh Along with that, I just have some uh, bacon and cheddar snack sticks because I wasn't very hungry, but I needed a little something. So they are from Stone Ridge. And it's uh, Stone Ridge is um, Stone Ridge Wholesale in Coloma, C-O-L-O-M-A, Wisconsin, which I had never heard of. So I looked it up because I knew that it would get brought up um, uh, and it's like North on highway 39, North of Portage and South of Plainfield, which is where Ed Gein used to live.
0: Mm,
1: fine. <laughs> <Contact>. <laughs> Good reference. Yeah. Good reference.
2: Um, and they've got sausages, beef sticks, cheese bricks, cheese curds. Smoked cheese, like uh, mozzarella, string cheese. So all sorts of stuff made right there in Coloma, Wisconsin.
1: Well, I must say when I saw your picture and I saw the bacon and cheddar. Mm-hmm. That I bought these for Bloody interest. Marys, but I'm going to
2: eat them and do some in Bloody Marys.
1: So have you tried it? Are yeah, you I tried eating- it tonight. And are good. they delicious, like out They're of this delicious. world? Yeah. yeah. I like okay. just
2: eating it plain with my beer is very good.
1: Yeah, because usually it's obviously sausage and cheddar, but the bacon and cheddar, yeah. that, I want to
0: try that. Good stuff. Yes. I like it. All right. What about you, Jill? Uh, well,
1: I went to Total Wine last night and picked up... Several bottles of Wisconsin wines since Erica announced her news uh, last podcast, and I must add, you. I feel like you are radiant tonight, Erica. <laughs> I feel like you have this glow. I don't know. Must it's be the no lighting. Must be the exact. But... <laughs> 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 well whatever i was thinking that as i before i started while you were talking before so i had to throw that in there but all right so i have a cedar creek christmas blush and it says american semi dry blush wine produced and bottled by cedar creek west prairie du sac wisconsin Mm -hmm. so why did i think cedar creek winery was in cedarburg
0: because i did too but so because why there is a minary in cedarburg there yeah there is a cedar creek yeah in cedarburg
2: so i thought it was cedar creek i don't know is that manufactured at wallersheim because wallersheim is in so- sock city okay. i don't know i'm oh yeah, cedar wait. creek is in cedarburg
1: wait so now okay yes because now on the back it does say cedarburg wisconsin okay okay so maybe it's just bottled Well, I don't know. Uh, Oh, you know what? It's a Cedar Creek West, so maybe they have a Cedar Creek Cedarburg, and then they have a second location in Prairie du Sac. They must, yeah. Okay, now I'm piecing it together. Because the
2: first time I ever went there was with you. Okay, ages ago, fifteen
1: years ago or something.
2: Yeah, we went up for like the Christmas shopping event. Yes.
1: Score for that. Yeah. yeah,
2: it was great, and I just said this year somebody talked about it, and I'm like, I re- we really should try to do that again sometime. Yeah, and that is a good stopped, idea. We stopped there and did a wine sampling. I ended up bringing a few bottles of wine home. There's really yeah. delicious wine up there. Just yeah. talked about it on Tuesday. I had my Christmas party for work.
1: Well, so it says Cedar Creek Christmas Blush is a luscious semi-dry wine with flavors reminiscent of kiwi and grapefruit wow enjoy this wine chilled with festive foods of the season
0: i don't really think kiwi when i think christmas but
1: no not at all well maybe (laughs) green but grapefruit that's pink you know not red it. and green it's I don't weird. know but anywho it is pretty sweet it's sweeter than I thought maybe it was going to be but I am used to more <laughs> deep reds so that could be why it tastes um sweet but it is very light and very yummy <laughs> which is just it's the cute. perfect description for a white Right, <laughs> Kayla yeah. if Kayla was here she would be like uh no 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 <laughs>
0: yeah. you be like be How is it on your palate? Yeah. And if you smell and I don't yeah. know, mm-hmm. got good legs, just like yeah, it's got yummy. good legs.
1: Yeah, so it is very, very tasty and light. So, but it is sweet.
0: Well, speaking of sweet, so I you know, per the last episode, oh, were were you going to talk about was, me? <laughs> all of you guys you're also (laughs) um sorry no (laughs) obviously announced in the last episode that I am not actually drinking alcohol these days um but there are plenty of non-alcoholic Wisconsin-made beverages so I'm trying to use this as an opportunity to highlight some of those um so I have highlighted the Stevens Point Brewery before for beer but they do also have soda and so to try a little to mix it up so it's not just your standard like rip beer or orange soda or ginger ale, I got this soda at the store. It's called kitty cocktail. And it is and exactly kitty. yeah, kitty K-I-T-T-Y. A-I-T-T-Y. Um, but it does taste exactly as you would expect it to, like a kitty cocktail or a Shirley oh, Temple. No, no. Um, But it is very sweet. So it is 100% real sugar. Um, So let's see, what does it actually say?
1: (laughs) ABV, ABV zero. Yes. (laughs) Usually Erica's got her like strong
0: craft beers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it says uh, made uh, with 100% real sugar, point premium kitty cocktail is handcrafted in small batches with the purest water sweet maraschino cherries ginger ale and a splash of lemon lime a true classic nostalgic delightful and refreshing although i think like as an adult it's just like the first step that i took i'm like holy sugar that's a lot of sweetness
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, no. sugar! Yeah, you're gonna be so out. Yeah.
2: Question: this would defeat the purpose of having a non-alcoholic drink for you yeah. but it sounds like it would be good if I was doing, like, a whiskey old-fashioned. Mixer. I could yeah. yeah. Whiskey, words. bitters, yeah. and then that yeah. for, it like, prob- the cherry yeah. and the sweet.
0: It's, I think so because it's got that cherry flavor to it. So it yeah. would probably definitely mix well with something like that. So can It would be too sweet
2: for Southern or something, but with, like, bourbon or whiskey, which is a little less sweet. And if you don't put mix in, you just put bitters in, that would be maybe a check out some point soda water.
0: Yeah. So definitely worth some experimentation if you would like to try it in that area. But I
2: will try it. I'll let you know.
0: Yeah. So, and then snack wise, um, so I already ate the sausage and cheese, but I did have some. A selection from the Wisconsin Cheeseman. So Sean actually received it as a gift, like a gift box of cheese and sausage from a customer, um, and so he, Kayla made sure he brought it home so that I could have it to highlight on the podcast.
1: Nice. And where is it from? So Wisconsin. Wisconsin
0: like it's Wisconsin Cheeseman. So um, there it's a privately held mail order food gift company. Mail, M-A-I-L,
2: not (laughs) M-A-L-E.
0: Yes, M-A-I-L, mail order. (laughs) Well, no,
1: I'm not ordering from them. I want a -A M-A-L-E on my doorstep with them. I need a mail order.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I have too many, and I'm going to add one more, so I think I'm good. (laughs) But, no, so it's a privately held mail order food gift company operating out of Monroe, Wisconsin. And it was established in 1946. And it says the company publishes several catalogs and emails each year to promote its line of over 300 products consisting of Wisconsin cheese, sausage, chocolates, fruit cakes, petite fours, cakes, cookies, fresh fruits, nuts, breads, and assorted food gifts. So this time of year is going to be big for them with everybody sending their...
1: Yeah, thanks, you Thanks, yeah, yeah, yes. um, that's yeah. what it used to
2: be. Swiss similar, yeah. Fruitcake, it used yeah. to be. Oh, it used to be. Oh, but what it changed to, huh.
1: yeah.
2: And growing I mean, up no in Swiss Madison, col- it was right across from Woodman's on Milwaukee Street. So, mm-hmm. growing up, it was like there was the huge Swiss colony, and when that went away, it was weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that's probably when it moved to Monroe, but it was like always there growing up and then i think high school maybe maybe middle school but i think high school they finally closed up swiss colony and moved
0: yeah so it was originally purchased in 2006 so it was originally um it was owned and operated for 60 years by the founding family the creamers fittingly um Mm -hmm. But uh, then it was initially bought in 2006 by like a private investment group. And then in 2011, it was, oh, I think it, it's Colony Brands. So the parent yeah, company colony 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 Brands, Brands
1: was colony.
0: purchased it. So um, that was in 2011. So that's when it became more of a mail order sort of setup. And actually, I think the oh, Wisconsin sausage and cheese that I got from my employees is like a same sort of setup with it being more mail order based but but yeah I mean it's I love the uh, garlic summer sausage is so good so I had specifically garlic summer sausage sharp cheddar cheese and brick cheese um, but there were two other sausages and some other cheese in the box as well so that'll definitely be something to Snack into, I'm sure we'll be breaking it out at Christmas since that's just around the corner. But I have to control myself not to have too many open packages of cheese in the fridge because it might be a little out of control. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> <laughs> After that, the
1: boys and I snacked on whatever was open on Saturday.
0: <laughs> yeah, they. that's one thing I will say is, especially Roman, he loves cheese. So give him cheese and he will... He'll eat it. So they they help me out. Sean, he likes it, but I feel like he doesn't True on it. Oh yeah, totally. Uh so I will jump into our Wisco fact. So Dina did share one, but I didn't actually have a chance to look at it. But maybe that'll be for our next episode. Oh, and I
2: just sent it to you. I didn't send it to the group.
0: Oh, okay. That was
2: interesting.
0: I will definitely have to remember that for the next episode. Um, for this one, I wanted to highlight the Hearthstone Historic House Museum. So um, this comes from Kittle, so kind of a Google version for kids. The Hearthstone Historic House Museum is a historic home in Appleton, Wisconsin that has been converted into a museum on September 30th, 1882, it became the first residence in the U.S. powered by a centrally located hydroelectric station using the Edison system. Now, at that time, the house was the residence of Henry James Rogers, a paper company executive and entrepreneur. And it was listed on the National Register of Historic Places on December 2nd, 1974. And then uh, for those that don't know, because I did it, um, hydroelectricity. Is electricity that is made by the movement of water. It is usually Mm. made with dams that block a river to make a reservoir or collect water that is pumped there. So when the water is let go, the huge pressure behind the dam forces the water down pipes that lead to a turbine. And this causes a turbine to turn, which turns a generator, which makes electricity and is considered to be renewable energy. So it produces less pollution than steam engines do. Um, And it said some places such as Norway and Quebec get most of their electricity this way. So it's kind of interesting that Wisconsin is where the first home ever powered by hydroelectricity was. And it was in 1882.
1: I was actually at this house when you were reading uh, the information. I was like, I think we were there. Uh, They had a Lego, a special Lego art exhibit oh my gosh the boys were young so less almost maybe 10 years ago but it was super neat and then they because it's a museum they did have an area that talked about the history
0: yeah so, it was neat so that is our whisker fact for today which is fitting Ooh, as cool. our case for today is in appleton wisconsin
2: all right, I'm curious. I know that one of my friends long ago mentioned uh an Appleton case.
0: Yeah, so this case was in fact recommended by one of Dina's friends like probably over a year ago now.
1: Yeah, right close, when we started.
0: Yeah, close to when we started, but at that time there wasn't much information out there on it. It was actually really hard when I searched for it to find a whole lot. So there wasn't enough like information that I was able to find to really make, like, a full episode, Um, but some recent developments in the case have actually brought it, like, really recent developments have brought it back into the news, and um, so there's a lot more information on it now, so I figured I would talk through that and share the case with everybody. So this is about
2: little shout out to my friend, Tim, who's the one that recommended it because mm-hmm. he's from Appleton.
0: Yeah. So this is the case of Betty Rolfe. Mm-hmm. All right. In the early morning of November 6th, 1988, in the midst of a snowstorm, 60-year-old Betty Rolf made the 10-block trek from her home to her job at the Country Air Banquet Hall a little shoot Wisconsin, which is near Appleton, Wisconsin said while on foot, the walk would normally only take her about 15 minutes. So it wasn't terribly far for her to walk. Um, And in the words of Betty's daughter, Sheila Worm, she was walking to work. She worked at the country air. She never made it there. See, it had snowed out that morning. My mother had a fear of snow. She did not drive. My mother was a driver, but she walked everywhere she went, but she wasn't going to work that way. And my brother usually gave her a ride, but wasn't going in that day that early. So she decided to walk and she never made it there. So despite the fact that it was in the middle of a snowstorm um, under the circumstances, um, she decided to walk there. And it sounds like she was pretty comfortable walking most places.
1: Yeah.
0: And it really shouldn't yeah, have little been little shoots, big deal. small
1: town. Yeah. So yeah. small. Yeah.
0: And it shouldn't have I been guess. a big deal because it's a fifteen minute walk, ten blocks. Not very far at all. But she never made it to work that day. So upon learning that Betty never made it into work, she was reported missing by her husband. And it they actually did. I mean, again, speaking of the small town nature of it they accepted the missing person's report like less than 24 hours later. So in some places they, you know, a lot, at least based on television, um, and they make you wait 48 hours, especially for somebody that's an adult. But I mean, this is probably a place where everybody knows everybody and they know that she is just not that kind of person to just not make it into work. And then not only not make it into work, but then not make it home. The day after she had left for work and when she disappeared, a police officer working the missing person's case started out basically just walking the route that she would have taken to work. Pretty basic stuff, like just starting at the beginning. Along the route, there was a railroad underpass at the 1900 block of West Spencer Street. The officer decided to check under the overpass and found the lifeless body of betty rolf wedge next to the bridge footing support adjacent to the railroad tracks she was found parallel to an eight foot high concrete wall yeah and because she was behind like this wall was so big this eight foot concrete wall so because she was behind the concrete wall her body would not have been visible to any train operating on the railroad track. So she's right there, but she was in a spot where nobody would have seen her. And if it weren't for the fact that she'd been missing and the guy was walking along the way and, like, looking for her, he probably wouldn't... Somebody probably wouldn't have even, know, like, looked over there to see her. And it was... Went, like, cl- cold time of year, so... If it had stayed cold, you know, it's possible too that even the smell of decomposition could have held off for a while, unfortunately.
2: It could have snowed, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Like, this is Wisconsin. We can all of a sudden get dumped on six inches and then yeah. it's everything is really buried.
0: Could have delayed, could have could have delayed the discovery of her body mm-hmm. if they had not taken the missing person's report as quickly as they did. And you know, really just kind of get started on it right away. Uh, based on the location of uh, where she was found, her body was only six blocks from where her home was. So she didn't, oh. she didn't make it very far.
2: It's just awful.
0: Mm-hmm. She had been beaten and sexually assaulted. And so she was still in her winter coat But she was nude from the waist down, and she had a black, probably her black purse strap was wrapped around her neck.
2: And she's like 60, right?
0: Yeah, she's 60. It was believed that the rape and murder took place in the very spot where her body was found. During the autopsy, a forensic pathologist found evidence of blunt trauma to the head, strangulation by ligature, most likely the purse strap, and multiple skin abrasions. Her official cause of death was determined to be asphyxiation and was ruled, uh, obviously, a homicide. So luckily the pathologist had the foresight, considering it was the late 80s and DNA was still, I think, in its infancy, the pathologist still had the foresight to take swabs from Betty's body. And so at that time, they didn't know it, but they did, in fact, collect the suspect's DNA from vaginal and rectal swabs that they were able to collect from from Betty. So at that time, while they were able to take those samples, DNA testing by the Wisconsin Crime Lab was not yet sophisticated enough to yield conclusive results.
2: Like and, that time was basically like the dark ages compared to yeah. now,
1: yeah. what they can I, do. Yeah, so yeah, think, that's amazing that they did pull the samples, I,
0: thought yeah. to do that. Yeah, so...
2: And in the 70s, they would take like... Swabs for or like blood, they take blood for blood tests and stuff, yeah. And then they would retain that just because then they would know like the blood type, never knowing that it was going to become something else. But that all this, you know, DNA stuff helped with cold cases that way, too. Oh, big time um, really good cops coming in and crime scene people doing well, really yeah. good work.
0: And I think they got lucky in a lot of cases. Um, especially not knowing the importance of what they were collecting at the time that it was right. preserved as well as it has been, that they were able to use it years later to do the testing. Now the technology is caught up with it. But
2: decades later, even some.
0: Yeah. So at that time they just didn't have there wasn't enough that they were able to find um to to give them any real leads, not even to rule anyone out, really. But they didn't have anything to go off of. There were no suspects. They didn't have anybody that would make sense to do this, um, at least nobody that Betty knew. And the DNA evidence just wasn't there. So at the time, the case went cold initially. So despite not having the DNA testing capability to do anything with the samples taken back in 1988, The samples were preserved well enough to work with years later. Initially, a reexamination in 2001, so still 13 years after the crime, but later, um, did provide a male DNA profile. So at that time, they were able to get a profile for the suspect from the samples taken at the scene. And investigators were able to rule out, at that time, any of her family members and others close to Betty as suspects in her murder. So at least by getting that DNA profile like compiled, they were able to rule people out. They didn't have another suspect to get, but I think that in and of itself is a big step. Because if anybody is living under suspicion or uncertainty, then that is easy. You know, ease of mind for the family
2: yep and it stops them from putting forth effort for somebody that now they can rule out right like moving forward you don't want to have to have them put forth any more effort and that's big just ruling people out is big even if you don't get somebody ruled in
0: yeah so having ruled people out The DNA profile of the male contributor that was collected was subsequently entered into the nationwide CODIS database. And unfortunately, at that time, the submission did not produce results. So they put it into the nationwide database to see if they could get a match, but nothing popped. Over the years, various articles have been written drawing attention to the case and other cold cases in Wisconsin, The following is a clipping from a December 4th, 2006 edition of the Madison, Wisconsin State Journal. So this was 18 years after the crime had been committed. So the case was still cold. So the headline is, so this is actual newspaper clipping that I was able to find online. So the headline reads, investigators probe 18-year-old sexual assault and murder. The daughter of a woman murdered 18 years ago says she still hopes the killer will be found. Betty Rolfe, 60, was found dead in November of 1988, wedged behind a concrete abutment under the overpass. Rolfe had been beaten and sexually assaulted. Her cause of death was listed as asphyxiation. I just never give up hope, and I keep hoping someday we will find out something, said Rolfe's daughter, Teresa Colbert, 52. So her daughter is already 50. Almost as old as she was when she died. Yeah.
2: (sighs) not knowing, I just cannot even imagine. Like some of us on this podcast have lost a sibling. It's horrible, but at least we got answers for that. You know, like I can't Mm. imagine having it be 20, 30 years of, Just not knowing, like what one, two, right, one or two parents enough, right? My child's like can't even imagine.
0: Yeah, it's awful. It's terrible. Yeah, just never knowing. And I've unfortunately seen so many stories that are like that. Um, with especially with children, it's just Mm -hmm. so I can't even. And
2: if the parents die, never knowing, that's.
0: That's, awful, yeah. Outagami, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that. Outagami, word. Outagami, Outagami.
2: outagami.
0: outagami. Do- <laughs> such a weird. Are you from Wisconsin? <laughs> it's a weird word. What do you want from me? It's
1: Outagami County. What no. okay. Ocon- do you know? No, okay. You can say Oconomowoc, but not Outagami.
0: I don't know. <laughs> Apparently not. Um. Uh, Out of Gamey County Sheriff Sergeant Gary Shortis said the department hasn't stopped investigating the case. We had about three months starting in January of last year where that was all we worked on and noticed some things we wanted to do with this case, he said. And we interviewed a bunch more people and obtained more DNA samples. Shortis said the second look at the case was helped uh, or has helped. We did obtain some trace evidence from the crime scene, and we have developed a DNA profile, Shortest said. That evidence recently was submitted to the state crime laboratory to further refine the DNA profile, Shortest said. The frustrating part is we have sent the DNA profile to the nation national database, and we have never gotten a hit. He said, one would think this person would have done this again and again until they got caught. Absolutely. And that is part of what scares the crap out of me. A lot of these cold cases is how many crimes could they have committed in that time frame?
2: And if they're one offs, like, I mean, you're almost screwed if they're just a random one off.
0: Yeah, but, you know, the worst, the even more, it's just maybe they just haven't gotten caught. It's right. So they keep going. Uh, Yeah.
2: Why not? If they're not getting caught.
0: Right.
1: No reason to stop.
0: Oh, my God. He said whoever committed the crime was likely very angry, given the level of violence and injuries. Shortest said investigators have used the DNA sample to eliminate virtually anyone connected to Rolf. The initial investigation was always pointing toward the husband because there were a lot of issues, but he was eliminated as a suspect, he says so it doesn't really elaborate on what those issues were. But in any case like this, you always look at the significant other, especially if it seems like a personal type of attack. Investigators are unsure exactly when or where Rolf was killed, which seems interesting. Rolf left her house November 6, 1988, shortly before 6 a.m. to walk 10 blocks to a restaurant where she cleaned, but she never arrived. Her husband, Charles, noticed she didn't return that afternoon, but assumed she had gone to babysit for one of their children, as she often did. So she was a grandma. It wasn't until the next day after family members got in touch with each other that a missing persons report was filed. Soon, an Appleton police officer walked the route from the Rolf residence and came to an area where the road passes over the railroad tracks. The officer checked under the overpass and found Rolf's body. Colbert can't forget the day her mother was found. I called my sister from work to see if they found anything, and they said no, so I got upset and told my boss what happened and that I was going to go home, and I drove down Spencer Street and ran into the police officer there who had the road blocked off. Mm. Oh, my God. She asked officers if they had found her mother, and they said, give us a description of your mother. Oh, my God. And I did, and 10 minutes later, they came back and told me it was her.
2: Ugh. Wow.
0: That's rough. Horrible. Florida said the department plans to re-interview the doctor who did the autopsy. We will go through all the photos and stuff so we can find something that was missed the first time, he said. So that was 2006, which is, let me do my math, 14 years ago. And it was 18 years ago. 16 years ago. 16. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: It's 2022.
0: Oh. See, I'm she the, might I'm have a little foggy man. brain. You know what? The
1: the, article, even though, even though she's has on, the, 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 on kitty, the podcast, kitty cocktail. <laughs> she's a very
2: smart girl, but this quick math on the podcast isn't your is thing.
0: It isn't my strong suit. <laughs> no, but I will. I will. It'll come out later that they, uh, a couple of articles I found, doesn't can't, they can't do math either. They're off by 10 years. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, I
1: was 10 years off
2: on of one thing, too, wasn't I?
0: Yeah, I think we both did that. Ugh. But yeah, so, I mean, 18 years after the fact, they were further refining the profile, resubmitting it to CODIS, and still not getting any hits, going out, getting more samples from other people, still not getting anywhere, 16 years ago. It was cold, and it is only recently that we finally got some updates. So, to get there, Na- thankfully, even though it's been another 16 years or additional time since then, investigators never gave up and never forgot about Betty. And I think that's something that you're especially going to see in smaller communities. Mm-hmm. On February 26, 2019, investigators started to conduct a familial DNA search to detect and statistically rank a list of potential candidates in the database who may have close biological relatives to the individual who left the DNA evidence. So I think a lot, that's kind of right around the time that we usually see a lot of these cases start with the familial DNA matching because it's right after the Golden State killer case, which was probably more a lot of them cite that as their, you know, seeing that it was successful in that case as being the inspiration for like, hey, maybe this can help us with our cold case. So it was in 2009 that they started to compile the familial DNA, which I think does take time. So you have to build out that family tree. So eventually, they were able to narrow it down to Washington State native Gene C. Meyer or his brother. His brother was contacted and willingly provided a DNA sample and was actually eliminated, which left Meyer as the prime suspect and likely perpetrator. So... That's the one thing you got to be careful with. This is they've got the familial DNA, but it they still need like a solid DNA evidence or, or like sample or connection to him specifically. So they've they're pretty sure they got their guy, but they still have to collect his DNA to compare it to the profile and confirm, in fact, that he is the perpetrator. And this is Washington State, not Washington yeah. County. Right. So this is a different state. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one of the investigators um, in the while they're investigating him uh, after they narrowed it down, spoke to a niece of his who told them about a conversation she had with her mother, who is Meyer's sister, about a family secret involving him. She said her mother told Meyer or told her Meyer phoned and said goodbye and thank you for everything. She stated that she felt that something was bothering her mother after the phone call and that there was something that her mother was not telling her regarding the call from him. Her mother told her, I have a secret. I have a secret and it's going to go in my grave. Jake's. So it seems that he may have confided in his sister, potentially, at least enough that his niece was suspicious when the investigators were interviewing family members and trying to figure out, um, you know, what his history was and if he, you know, very well could have done this crime. Investigators started looking into his criminal history and they did see that he had a few contacts with Appleton police in the late 1980s. So he's In 2022, 2019, he is living in Washington State, but they did find that he did have some criminal history in Wisconsin, specifically in the Appleton area in the late 1980s, which is right in that range for when the crime was committed. They also discovered that he had resided in Valders, Wisconsin, which is about 40 miles east of Appleton during the time of the crime. So that would seem like it was a little ways out of the way. But they also learned that while he lived in Valder's, or that was where his address was, that he did receive food stamps during the mid-1980s at an Appleton rooming house, which was located just one mile from where Rolf's body was found. Great. So we're
1: paying for this shit bag to survive?
0: Well, he was. Oops, did I just funny. say that out loud? Not well. I guess I don't know if we are anymore, but apparently Wisconsin residents were at the time. But right, yeah, that's what I'm. Mean. So, but this is crucial information because it not only puts him in Wisconsin, in Appleton, it puts him really in close proximity to where the crime occurred. So this is just more and more evidence to back up. The theory that he is, in fact, the one that did it based upon the familial DNA and narrowing it down through the tree. So they still need that solid connection, which would be his DNA being compared to the DNA sample from the crime. So local investigators contacted the FBI to conduct surveillance on Meyer. On November 21st, 2022, so very recently... FBI agents contacted local investigators to report that they had obtained DNA swabs from the door handle of Meyer's truck. The swabs were then sent to the Wisconsin Crime Lab for analysis. The crime lab was able to determine or obtain a DNA profile from the swabs and then compare it to the swabs from the Rolf murder. Official wording in the criminal complaint against Gene Meyer states. The DNA profile from the swabbing of the defendant's truck matched the DNA profile of the sperm found on the vaginal swabs which were obtained during the autopsy of the murdered victim. The likelihood ratio statistic calculated for this comparison is greater than one quadrillion. Yeah. Good. So, nail in the coffin. So, DNA wins again. And familial DNA is pretty amazing. All right. So this is where this is a very recent development because as we are recording, it is December 15th. So on December 7th of 2022, 66 year old Gene C. Meyer was arrested and charged with the first degree murder and first degree sexual assault of Betty Rolf, along with use of a dangerous weapon. Didn't find a whole lot of information in regards to that, but it may um, pertain to how she was beaten. The Outagamie County Sheriff's Office, FBI, and Pierce County Sheriff's Office in Washington teamed up to arrest Meyer. He's being held at a jail in Tacoma on a $2 million bond awaiting extradition to Wisconsin.
2: Jill's got to be happy with this. She hates the unsolved ones and... After a lot of years, they finally solved it.
1: Mm. And I was going to comment on that at the beginning. Like, I hope this means a cold case was solved. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So it took investigators and advancements in DNA technology 34 years to achieve justice um meyer would have been in okay so this is where the articles that i read were wrong and don't know how to do math because they said he would have been 22 years old at the time he committed the crime but he is 66 now and i uh, was born in 1988 and i can tell you i am not 44 years old as <laughs> meyer would have been 32 years old at the time that he committed the crime i saw that in two different articles and I was like, okay, one of them's copying the other one. Yeah, exactly.
1: No <laughs> fact checking here.
0: Uh, while Betty's A fear cheese and murder catches it, right? Only because we've made the same mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to say that.
2: Wow. We're smarter than all the news outlets. <laughs> yes. Come to us for all the information you need from now on, people. Here we
1: are.
0: I'll just have to be like, find
1: the (laughs) non-factual items.
0: Well, it's easy because I was born in '88, and I'm like, I know how old I am.
2: So it stresses me out that you're born in (laughs)
1: 1988. Because like Bill graduated '89, I graduated. Graduated. Oh my god. Don't point that out on the <laughs> national broadcasting. Oh. I mean, international. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, oh, so. But it is really awesome to see these stories. I love seeing these stories. I mean, obviously, it's terrible that the crime was committed. But especially just getting that closure mm-hmm. for the family, her daughters now, I mean,
2: And getting that fucker in jail where he should be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely.
1: Yeah. I'd rather be paying for him in jail than paying for him on food stamps. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. For real.
0: While Betty's family is relieved and thankful to finally have an answer to a mystery that has haunted their family for decades, there are still unanswered questions. Why? That's the biggest one why
1: yeah why right. this poor woman is walking to work at six in the morning yeah and she's 60 it's not like yeah. she's during a snowstorm that he yeah. like right
2: like get over right. her or something and she's it, yeah. yeah. in the morning yeah like
0: who and would ever think this would happen yeah
1: it's not like it was 11 at night or bar time i mean i don't know not that Makes in the middle
0: okay. and it was in the middle of a snowstorm too like it wasn't right. so even I, good weather yeah it's just so actually random so random like they were unacquainted they didn't know each other that's
2: Which how it goes unsolved for so long
0: a really First bad time. chance encounter yeah mm-hmm. Even if Meyer provides an answer to that question, I doubt personally that it will bring any comfort to Betty's family. The reasons of a killer are hardly reasonable. So, yeah. I mean, as much as it would be good to have the like him to say, well, why did you do it? It's never going to, I think, make you feel any better to know why.
1: Well, and not that Ever would i mean well because it's like it's is there like, really a, an acceptable reason for killing no someone?
0: there there isn't there's, there's never, there's never right. an acceptable reason but in some cases like it could just be like well i just i just wanted to or you know or like you know
2: they wronged me in some way
0: and it, it, it just it's never going to be a satisfactory answer for somebody who has lost a loved one. So I think the best that you can get out of this type of situation is for the person to be identified and brought to justice.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, But, you know, if they do still hope to have their questions answered, you know, they, they may still hope for that, even if they realize that it won't bring them the comfort that they want they do at least continue to remember betty and keep her memory alive according to sheila Warren, betty's daughter she was a beautiful lady good cook great artist she was a mom she was a beautiful soul betty was an avid baker her homemade bread rolls pies and noodles were the envy of the neighborhood And Betty's granddaughter, Sue uh, Cernka, added that she was the sweetest person you could ever imagine. She had a heart of gold.
2: I mean, she got up and walked her ass to work in winter at, you know, before 6, 6 a.m., like a
1: snowstorm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then after that, went to go babysit her grandchildren. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Took care
2: of people, looked
1: out for other people
2: before herself. Unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Very small town, Wisconsin. Yeah. After learning of Meyer's arrest, the family went to the scene of the crime and placed a cross on the bridge above where her body was found. So, And that was very recently. So I imagine that cross is actually still there if anybody were to drive through there. So
2: only time I'm in Appleton I'm never far from the interstate so I'm never really you know anywhere in but if I ever am I'll look it up yeah go pay her some respects
0: Well, yeah it's good to see another cold case solved especially heading into the holiday season
2: for sure. sure they
0: would rather have her here but
2: it's gotta be, like, a sigh of relief at least having some answers.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I Like you said, like we were talking about before, like, not, the not knowing, I think, is always harder than, like, for those that have had a missing loved one for years. Mm-hmm. You know, they're already essentially mourning the loss of that person, but they don't know, and it's that tiny glimmer of hope that keeps them holding on that it but it just eats eats at you you can't eat you can't sleep you can't rest like how do you keep living with And then it goes on like, for decades. Yeah, you yeah. know, so it's actually more of a relief almost to find out that their loved one is in fact gone. Like to know to at least have the answer, because it, you can then move on to the next phase of the grieving process. But even like- just
2: waiting on labs from the Wisconsin um, crime lab, yeah, everything it takes six weeks to twelve weeks. So you're like, okay, well, here's somebody who shouldn't have passed away. We don't know what happened, and then. You got to wait three months to find out even like on somebody that wasn't murdered that, you know, that's hard enough. I can't imagine waiting longer than that because just yeah. that part of it is awful.
0: Yeah. I feel bad I mean, for
2: all these people.
0: It's really hard to even think about some of that stuff taking so long even now, but that's just the way that the system works. But it's like it went to. We were talking earlier, not on the podcast, you guys were saved from that conversation, but we were talking about the illnesses going around and having strep. And I did, when I went to origin care for, um, to find out if I had strep, I actually got the results on my phone from the strep test before I, the doctor was even able to come in and see me.
2: Right. they're the preliminary <laughs> really? one, you, yeah. Get, yeah, you get them right away before wow. you're even at yeah. the doctor's office.
0: Yeah. So the doctor came in and was like, well, I have the results. So I already got everything printed out and ready to go.
1: You're like, yeah, I'm a step ahead of you. I already got it.
0: I'm like, yeah, I've seen it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't need you. (laughs) I don't need to pay for this visit now.
0: (laughs) But it's like that can happen in 30 to 45 minutes and yet you can't get DNA results for months. It's Mm kind of crazy really, to think about it. Some stuff works so fast, but then some of the stuff that you would think is more important takes that much longer. And And, it's the backup. Yeah, the backlogs. Just crazy. Mm -hmm. But at least in this case, as previously stated, DNA wins again. Good. I'm glad this
2: one was solved. Yeah, when I saw it in the news, it didn't kind of put it together that it was the one that Tim had mentioned long Mm -hmm. ago and I was reading about it and I'm like oh yeah this this would be good it's nice that we have one that's actually been solved after all this time
0: yes yeah and it's been solved since he recommended it so that's actually really great yes so ready for a high note yes all right So I found an article um, It's from Positively Wisconsin on the wearegreenbay.com. So the article is, Customers at New London Christmas Tree Farm Pay It Forward to Others. And this was just posted this week, actually. Um, So this takes place in New London, Wisconsin. It says, More than a dozen customers of the Kling Family Christmas Tree Farm in New London paid for one another's trees on Sunday. Owners say it started with one woman who not only paid $50 for her tree but another $50 for the customer behind her. Mhm. And I mean, these days $50 for a tree that's I mean, it's not cheap. Cheaper.
1: Well, I feel like that is on the that is side but yeah. Well. Yeah.
2: But still $50 oh, is
1: not
2: right. cheap now. Yeah. But $50 for somebody to spend for someone right. for a stranger. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Property, yeah. Property owner Terry Murphy says it's a beautiful Christmas thing to do to help somebody, a stranger, and just say we're paying for that next person's tree. Um da, da, da. I
2: love that. I'd rather have somebody I mean that's so sweet. Not that I mean people choose what they do for people, but I'd rather if somebody is gonna pay it forward, I'd rather have somebody do that for a family that may really be in need than somebody that's at Starbucks. Cause if you're at Starbucks, you're not in need. In the first place, like, yes, you don't buy a six dollar coffee when you're in need, but you need to have a Christmas tree for your kids, kind of situation, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's just a fun, I mean, especially when it continues to like go and people keep doing it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's so just a reminder it's the holiday season. Obviously, you don't have to save it just for the holiday season, but it's time to season of giving. trying to explain to my four-year-old that Christmas first and foremost is about spending time with family but then Mm too that the present side of it isn't about so much getting presents it's about the giving of presents to others and um I tell my favorite presents
1: P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E.
0: yes you opened my presents last year yes but I I my favorite part about but obviously I do like getting gifts but my actual favorite part is the giving of gifts because I put so much thought into what I get people that I like want too. to see their reaction to it so oh,
1: I can so relate yeah. to that <laughs> yeah. I'm that way too I
2: love the I love the reaction
0: yeah and so that's what I'm trying to like explain to explain to my four-year-old so this is the this is that kind of story about, it's about giving without reason to somebody else just for the sake um, of it. Right. And
1: you're benefiting from feeling the warm fuzzies and knowing that you helped a family. Yeah. So you said that the one woman paid for the next um, person, but then everyone else continued to do that?
0: Yes. that's Yeah. So more than a dozen customers um, paid for one another's trees. So it started with that one woman and then it continued on for more than a dozen people.
2: I love that. Aww, I'd rather that like go to cool. a, a store and pay for somebody buying gifts or something, you know, than buying somebody, co- not that buying somebody coffee is bad. That's just the only time that I really hear about it. I'm thinking there are so many other families. I worked at Kmart when I was in high school and for almost three years. So it was after high school as well. And watching a lot of these people, you know, having to put stuff on layaway or having their credit card rejected when they're trying oh to buy gosh, gifts. my gosh, layaway. Stuff. Yes. It, and it's, you feel terrible because they're mm-hmm. all kids stuff. Like they're not out there mm-hmm. buying a bunch of crap for themselves. They're all presents for their kids and they're at Kmart they're not at like some super expensive store they're trying to be reasonable with what they're buying and they're still struggling to buy it that is like I would like to go there you know to somewhere like that and be like you know what let me get this for you because sometimes it is only 60 bucks and somebody doesn't have the 60
1: bucks yeah Um, I'm I'm going to share a story made it worse I'm gonna share a story that I'm really embarrassed about, but it's in the same note, um, and this was years ago, and I'm gonna claim that I was in a mom fog or a whatever, sleep deprived, not thinking straight, whatever, but I'm at the grocery store and a woman in front of me is checking out and she's conscious about what she puts on the conveyor belt first, You know, like fruits, veggies, milk, and then like right and then the not so maybe necessities which it's not like she even had stuff like that were later and she kept asking the person like oh can you total it up can you total it up and I'm unloading my you know huge cartload of groceries and not quite paying attention but the woman gets out her um uh what the food stamps or whatever the the card now whatever it is and the cashier had to say something about like you're over that or whatever and the lady was so like understanding and just like okay um take this off take that off and she's like taking bananas off and I'm like kind of half watching this happen but it's not registering with me to this day I kicked myself that I did not just step up and be like, I got it. I got it. You know, even though I I seriously beat myself up for this, like, don't though. Well, now I know that in the future, if I ever witnessed that or whatever i absolutely will but this was it wasn't like someone was trying to buy cigarettes with their food stamps or booze or like this woman was completely conscious and um like going by the rules and trying and uh I just which most like of
2: that. the families do. And it's sad that it's not generally just single people, it's people oh. with families that are trying to get food on the table. And it's even harder with holidays because they're trying to spend some of their money getting gifts for their kids. Because how do you explain to a child that you were good all year, but sorry, Santa didn't come? Like that's not fair. And it's not people in general, you know, I did food service, um, at St. John's church downtown, they gave free meals in the afternoon and we would go and volunteer. All these people had jobs. Most of them had two jobs. Some of them had three jobs.
1: They would go there and,
2: and get, they would get no in the afternoon, they would go and get one free meal for themselves because they said, this is the meal that I get and everything else that I have goes to my my family so they would take their one meal and I'm like these aren't people that aren't working these aren't people that aren't wow earning money or trying to earn money or making a living and yeah and around the holidays it's even worse
1: so and sorry because you're talking about the season of giving and whatnot Christmas coming up um Uh, Bennett's basketball team uh, we've sponsored a family through the children's hospital uh, the team has um, a couple times and this year I was reading about the family and I was moved to tears because it's um, a single mom and she has twin boys who are nine years old and a 16 year old daughter and a 15 year old daughter. Okay, and I want to. And the twins have major health issues. I don't. I don't remember what it was if they were born premature or what it is. There's no dad in the picture because the marriage didn't survive the stress or what have you. But when I looked at the um, sizes of the nine year old twin boys, okay, Bennett is 12. And these were nine-year-olds and I'm, I have tons of clothes that we donate from Bennett. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can donate like all of his clothes. I can give them to these boys. They're going to love it. The nine-year-olds are in five T's. (gasps) Oh my
2: God. So malnutrition. Oh my God. No, 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 not necessarily
1: malnutrition, but their health issues, their health issues, they're tiny. Yes. Before so it was just, just like
0: five T shit, yeah,
1: a five, five size, five pants and five T-shirts. So Bennett and I went to the store last night and bought a bunch of clothes because obviously Bennett's hand-me-downs from a couple of years ago are more like, um, later on for them. Yeah. Like size small and, you know, youth or a size 10, 12, in youth not a toddler size i i mean i just read that and it just uh, resonated with me yeah my girlfriends and
2: i, I think we sponsored seven families this year
1: Aww. through what organization do you do to... uh,
2: my friend carrie does it she takes care of everything she gets the list of the families gets the information about the kids and then they do all the shopping i just donate everybody donates And they had so much money left over that they tried to sponsor more kids. And they said all the families were taken. So Carrie went to donate the money. And then they ended up coming back and gave us two more families. So they gave the rest of the family. So Carrie's done it, I think, seven years or so. That's beautiful. I love that girls for madison so thank you to my bestie for doing that every year (laughs) getting getting the ball rolling and then for all the girls that go out and do the shopping because they're in madison and so i don't make it in for shopping but well and
1: good um good hearts good generosity
0: well and i always feel very fortunate that we are able to provide as well as we are for our family and so It's something that, you know, as, as long as we can try to give and to those that can. And I hope this, you know, as my boys get older, that's one of my biggest things that I worry about. I don't want to say I worry about, but that I'm conscious of is making sure that they don't take for granted the, the fortune and things that they are able to have growing up. And that they realize that there are a lot of other people that aren't as fortunate, um, so that hopefully they have the same, you know, or the the what is the, the gratitude, and also general appreciation,
1: yeah, yeah they appreciation.
0: They appreciate what they have. Empathy, empathy, mm-hmm. and you know that they continue to work hard, and that if they do well, that they also pay give. it forward. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes or not. Yep. Um, yeah. So I wanted Bennett obviously involved in this. And I said, Bennett, you know, it's for your team. And I would really want you to come with me because even though these boys are nine years old and you know, this is just a couple of years younger than you, I said, do you know what size clothes you wear? You know? Yeah. And I said, they're in five T's. You know, so I just need your help that I don't pick out something too cutesy, you know, like, yeah. oh, so cute. it's like they're nine, you know, they're not yeah. going to want to wear whatever, whatever. So Especially because I mean, if they're yes. little, they don't want to
2: look cute. Right. They want to look right. like toys.
1: Right. But if you're looking at, you know, I I haven't shopped for a toddler in 10 years, you know, whatever. So I'd probably be like, oh, this is so adorable. (laughs) Um, So I just made sure like, "Mm, you need to come with me and make sure, you know, weigh in on what you think is cool. You know, they're nine years old. So that's my little... Segment. I know this so will ready. come out
2: after Christmas, but that's our all little that's our all little yes. uh,
1: Tis the season. So that I'm sure that Giving.
2: yeah most of the listeners feel the same right. way. I think that anybody that has anything, you gotta be thankful, especially now with all this pandemic stuff over the last oh gosh, couple yeah. of
1: years. Well and pay it forward.
2: So many things and, if you can pay it yeah. forward. Even a little bit to uh, people right. extra extra tips throw you know
1: extra money at the
2: santa jar when they're out ringing the bell and all that stuff
1: i just did that the other night at uh, the grocery store haven't seen one yet no and it was actually a person standing there ringing and then there was like a little and they had the um traditional red thing where you could yes the red kettle where you could slide your money in but then up on top they because creditors. they evolved yes they had the things where tap here for mm-hmm. I don't know if it was ten dollars kind of yeah, whatever it was yeah the
0: times that you know even if to. you wanted to right get if it, you don't have cash, cash on you, you
1: yeah, know? yeah. so I pulled out some money and I said so I can still like I can still like really give cash in here. And uh, she said, yes. And then she said, but you wouldn't believe how many people are coming back and doing the card. And I said, Hey, whatever works.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Generally, I would say like, I already donated online. Cause if I see them, usually I do, you know, every time a charity event comes up, I donate online already. I'm like, well, I already gave like 50 bucks. I don't have $2 cash to give you now. Like, So I like that they do the credit card.
1: Yeah, and that's so smart of them to know that not everyone carries cash these days.
0: Yeah.
2: I certainly don't.
0: So as Dina mentioned, this will come out after Christmas. So while it is the season of giving, I would say this is a reminder to pay it forward all year round.
1: Yes, love it. A,
2: they'll be hearing at the beginning of 2023 and we can be like start fresh new year give while you can give a little be nicer to people be nicer to people i think that's a huge one Yeah,
0: just be kind be a little more
2: patient and a little more kind
0: yes yeah that's all right well next year we'll kill them with kindness you bet <laughs> So until next time, eat, drink, and be wary. For listening to Beer, Cheese, and Murder, we would like to also thank the references that make this podcast possible. A full list of references can be found on our website at beercheeseandmurderpodcast.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at beercheeseandmurderpod, where pictures from today's episode are available for your viewing. If you would like to share your feedback, Wisco facts, case suggestions. Stories or just whatever, please email us at contact at beercheeseandmurderpodcast dot com. Don't forget to tell your friends, but most importantly, until next time, eat, drink, and be wary. <laughs>